Hello there, wayward listener, and welcome to this week's Pubiverse. Join Dom, Ben, and I as we grab a drink at the Cosmic Horror, where we'll discuss last week's episode, Apples and Tentacles, chat about how big of a douchebag H.P. Lovecraft was, dissect the wonderful world of swearing, and go on several tangents before leading to a discussion of who played Batman the best. So here we are sitting in the cosmic horror where we can't even begin to describe it for fear it would shatter the fragile thread that holds your sanity to this mortal plane. Taking a cheeky break after our escape from Cockney Cthulhu summoning ritual at the Margate Wastewater Treatment Facility to have a drink and a chat about the room what we just did. Uh, but first, gents, it is my round. So who is drinking what? Um, I, I'm Ben Lady Griffiths and I scoured the uh, the bar for something that was simple, uh, not not too complex for the uh, for the barkeeper, and I went with uh, a medium sherry because it looked open and to hand. <laughs> you fancy lad. Very meta. It reminds me of New Year's. I haven't had sherry in years. Is that when it's open from? <laughs> and, and not this. Got New Year's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> mm, vintage. So I'm not much of a sherry man. Uh, what constitutes a medium sherry? Uh, so it's, I believe, to do with the sweetness. Um, oh, okay. So it's not a dry sherry, um, and it's not an overly sweet sherry. It's somewhere in the middle. A bland sherry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, last week you had a snowball, and this week you've got a sherry. You are still living 90s Welsh Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's good to ne- know next that's time I know. hope you get a get a baby sham when they go next time and complete the trifecta I was going to say baby sham yeah. <laughs> the holy trinity is being complete I, I've, I've got a feeling I don't like baby sham but maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll let <laughs> can you even buy it in February I wonder oh with enough effort Ben I reckon you could find it maybe up with enough effort on the dark web maybe I, to be honest, leaving the house these days is effort. So. <laughs> I mean, the last time I was at the shops, they've got uh, you can right now you can buy cheap Christmas alcohol and you can buy cheap Easter eggs. I mean, none of it's actually cheap. They've just put it back to the original price rather than the. But um, but yeah, we are in that perfect time when you can you can still get everything you wanted at Christmas. And you can, uh, I mean, why not have a Baileys while eating an Easter egg? That's what Tesco's is telling. <laughs> you hollow out the Easter egg, pour the Baileys in, and just have a wonderful Friday night. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking actually more of a, um, uh, what's the, a, a Jägermeister, uh, Jägerbomb, right? Except you do it with a, with a, with a, a Cadbury's cream egg and, and, um, and drop that Wait, into so you, a So you're dropping a, a cream of... egg into a Baileys. <laughs> into a Baileys, absolutely. There we go. <laughs> But if you had a warm Baileys or a cream egg into a mulled wine, there we go. That would be disgusting. Mulled Baileys. Um, yeah, mold, moldy eggs. I'm Dom, um, and I will have a singer, um, which is a Thai lager. A singer? Bow tie, long tie. I mean, I don't know if it's actually pronounced singer. Um, it is now. S-I-N-G-H-A. Uh, my, my tie is a little rusty. <laughs> Um, that's what I get for having a suit made out of metal. Hey! Hey! Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the best pickup um, line. But yes, it's uh, it's a very nice beer. He says as he swigs it from the bottle. Well, I'll, I'm not going to create washing up for myself. I mean, for this pub. <laughs> Just leave the glass on the on the car on the bar, the bar counter. They don't care. So if I ever go to Bangkok, I will definitely use that as a pickup line. 
My, my tie is a little rusty. <laughs> you have to have a metallic tie on for it to make any sense. All of my ties are metallic. <laughs> it's, it's the only way I, I, I feel professional. I was going to say like Max Headroom, but he wasn't. He wasn't actually made out of metal, was he? No, not no. He's like a rubber mask, wasn't he? Uh, late, late, yeah, he later, was, he, was a, he was a robot. He was a silicon, silicon fella. Yeah, he's terrifying as well. If you look at the the old video of it. Hi, I'm Jamie, and uh, I'm drinking again. As no surprise, I'm drinking a mead. It is the mead of Kernuos, uh, which is fizzy. I don't know if it's supposed to be, but it's nice. I'm fizzy. It's fizzy. What makes it fizzy? There shouldn't be. It shouldn't be carbonated. Yeah, well, some some meads are. And I'm not, like, I'm 50-50 on, on the whole sparkling mead thing. But when I picked this up um, out of the cupboard, it was lying on its side. And there was a very small drip coming from the, the lid. And so I wonder if it's been compromised. However, I'm still drinking it, and it is bloody lovely. Uh, presumably this was a a new bottle and not one that um, passed to Jamie had... Um... Uh, no, it, it, is, it is not passed to me, uh, but it will pass through me very soon. Uh, but it was a new bottle, so who knows? We, we have some marrow rum that uh, that is bottled. It's, it's out of the sort of brewing process, but uh, that was um, bottled in, I think, 2009 or 2010, and we've never opened it. It's, it's, it we've we've uh, transported it around several houses. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, so marrow... Rum. Yes, I believe. Oh, are you are you adding marrow to rum? Like when someone says they made slow gin, but they actually just put a load of slow berries into existing <laughs> gin, or have you somehow no, no. made rum from so, vegetables? It wasn't me. It was uh, my father-in-law, um, and I believe that uh, it was made by putting marrows, cut cut up mar- marrows into tights, um, and then stuffing the the the, the rest of the, the tights with brown sugar. <laughs> And, and so the alcohol catching, was just a byproduct. Catching what dripped off. I, I, I don't. I don't know the rest. I, yeah, so you don't know what he was originally up to, but I have no Eventually, idea. he bottled the outcome, and it involved tights and marrows, and also, uh, but not all the marrows because he grew them. Not all the marrows that he grew, because some of the marrows he swapped at the local fish and chip shop for for free fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> this is closely like straddling the line between like hobby and fetish. You know that, right? <laughs> But also, oddly, entrepreneur. I mean, maybe he could go to the pub and give him his bizarre, uh, give give him the bizarre concoction, and in result, get a real drink. The same as how he can give him marrow at the chippy and get some real food. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had marrow. Actually, thinking about it, it seems like such a like a like a British vegetable that I've never had. What is it? Is it like a cucumber? Uh, it, kind of. It's a root vegetable, right? Yeah. I don't know what root vegetable means, to be honest. No, no, it's not. It's, it's above ground. It's like it grows like a cucumber or a courgette, I believe. I've always thought of it as a savoury melon. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a savoury melon. That's a good description of it. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same family as melon, cucumber, squash, courgette. They're all the same thing. There, it's a cucurbit. That's a, that. I, oh wait, I oh, I already knew. That. I learned this back in the summer and I've forgotten. I can't even remember my trivia anymore. <laughs> so a marrow and a courgette are actually exactly the same thing. Um, okay. They just don't let the um, they don't let the courgettes grow up. So it's kind of like lamb and mutton. Think of it that way. <laughs> marrow is your mutton, courgette is your lamb. I, I was going to say ponies and horses because aren't they basically the same thing? Except it depends on how tall they are. <laughs> Fair. I don't think so. <laughs> 
Well, so like, so you could go, oh, there's some ponies. Wait, what's that tall one? Oh, well, he was a pony, but it turned out he had a growth spurt and now he's a horse. That, 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 that is the only way that it's ever been described as me, is that, that <laughs> the distinction between a pony and a, and, a, and a horse is how many hands they are. What? I don't think they, they don't tend to have any hands, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Which confuses the matter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a, there's, there is a species differentiation between ponies and horses, unlike the courgette and the marrow. If you have a courgette and you let it grow up, it will become a marrow. And then you can be disappointed because, you know, who wants who wants marrow in their salad? Who wants courgette in their salad? Uh, uh, all right. Who wants marrow in your roast? Actually, roast marrow does sound nice. Brief spoiler warning for the previous episode. Uh, we will be discussing last week's episode in great detail. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please stop now, listen to that, come back. We'll wait for you. Or not, because, you know, the bar will close and we need to get sozzled. Uh, so last week, our perilous puzzlers found themselves locked in the Margate water treatment plant, trying to stop the summoning of the dreaded Cthulhu that had been attempted to be summoned by a group of dishevelled cockneys. But... Through deft translation of Cockney rhyming slang, a brief swim through some shitty water, and painting very well-drawn constellations in ash <laughs> on the floor. I went out. Uh, you gents managed to stop the summoning of Cthulhu, but accidentally did summon his northern rival, Cthulhu. Uh, but you did very well. And listeners, I will uh, make a confession. My internet connection is dog shit right now. So we had several stoppages. Uh, probably like every 30 seconds, my connection would time out. Uh, my audio cut out. There was loads of technical fuck-ups on my end. And you know what? There was no timer by the end of it because otherwise nobody would escape with, a, <laughs> with all the stuff that happened. <laughs> but the escape you did, Jensen. Well done to you both. Thank you. Uh, I, I did wonder that. There was, a, there was one bit where I was, I was going to go off on one. Um, I think maybe about polos, and I thought, oh, wait, no, we're going to be running out of time at this point. And then I did think, there's no way he's timed this in any kind of fair way, because we spent about 50% of our time smiling politely while we wait for him to, to come back in. We can't lose. We can do whatever the fuck we want. I wonder why you were quiet, Ben. You've just been finding out facts about ponies. So, so Ben has just pasted into our Discord chat um, the definition of what a pony is. And it says, a pony is a type of small horse. And depending on the context, it may be a horse that's under a certain height or a small horse with a specific conformation and temperament. So a pony, a pony is not a young horse. A pony is a small horse. Yeah. But they, but they are physically uh, different creatures. I mean, if you see a pony, you know it because it's got that little little bar- barrel body and the and the stumpy legs. Whereas young horses look like small horses. <laughs> so a pony is cute. <laughs> horses that are far away. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what makes matters more complicated, though, is that the word pony comes from a French word poulinet, that means a young horse. So great. So thanks, thanks, language. And, language. And of course, uh, pony in in rhyming slang um, means twenty five pounds. I think. Yeah. How does that work? So if we go back to the back to the Cockney, mm. I don't know how it works. I'm. I've always wondered how, like most Cockney rhyming slang, I understand the mechanics of it. 
apparently it's colonialism. It's because of co- it's not rhyming slang. It's just just slang. Apparently it's colonialism. Ah, good old fashioned, good old rule, Britannia. Yeah, no idea why. Ah, we'll probably get into a bit of the old uh, the old racism in a little bit, given the the, the subject of the uh, of the episode. Yeah, cockneys. <laughs> <laughs> They're lovely people. How dare you, dumb? <laughs> I didn't lampoon them for the last. <laughs> Did, didn't characterize them for laughs, for clicks and listens. That's exactly what I did. You you guys got the Cockney rhyming slang very quickly. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more looking around before it clicked that the DVDs in the locker matched with all the Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, the reason I put the, the rhyming slang in the, the foreman's office note was to sort of key you into that. But I don't think I needed it. I think you got it really quickly and you would have got it without that that extra clue. Well, actually, it was the... So I translated the note by context mm. and then it was Ben who pointed out, hey, doesn't this connect to our previous clue, which I discarded because but it, I, I don't... I, I have a real problem connecting one clue to another. It's funny though, because... So we... We, I don't, we couldn't have done this individually, right? Because I saw the names and had written down on my bit of paper the movies that they starred in and was also considering um, noting down who they starred with uh, in case that was relevant and and um, completely forgot about Cockney rhyming slang. So it was, I, I connected back to the DVDs and then Dom took over and was like, oh, rhyming slang. Um, so, Good teamwork. Yeah, definitely a joint effort. Yeah. Uh, for listeners who are not familiar with the concept, <clears throat> Cockney rhyming slang is a very particular uh like dialect or way of speaking that's almost like a coded language that's that's very particular to the cockney culture in england uh in various specific parts of london uh and the main part of cockney rhyming slang is that you use a word that rhymes with the word you're trying to say but then once you've done that you shorten that rhyming word so it no longer rhymes with the word that you're trying to say so or you lengthen it so for example apples and pears Oh yeah, uh, for stairs. Yeah, um, it, it, um, it's longer. It's longer. It's, but then, in, it's in certain cases, um, you'd say it's uh, one of the Cockney rhyming words. They often do it for celebrity names. So instead of saying face, you'd say Chevy Chase. But often in Cockney, they would just say Chevy. So there's an extra degree of like working out what the fuck is going yeah. on, unless you're part of the culture. So you know how uh, this is relevant because I, I've uh, I, I looked this up recently. Uh, I was trying to uh, describe. Uh, well, basically, I, I work with a bunch of people that are not uh, from the UK, and uh, they all speak very, very good English. But of course, there's occasionally things that you say that they just don't get, right? Because it's very, like idioms, say British idioms and things. Yes, I, I wasn't sure if idiom was the right word, and so I, I said raspberry. In the context of love sound. Okay. Um, and I didn't know where that would translate. And they got it straight away. They, they, they understood it. And I was like, but why do we call it a raspberry? And it I know, that's, that is Cockney. It is. A, it is. It is, yeah. It's what? a raspberry tart fart. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just become so well known that, yeah, exactly what you're saying, Jamie. You, f- you forgot we've why. Dropped, we, we've dropped the rest of it altogether. We just have raspberry. Well, it's like, have you ever called anybody a burke? Yeah, no, I have. I try to be polite. <laughs> and uh, and do we know what that word uh, is Cockney rhyming slang for originally? 
I can see Ben trying to work it out. Burke and... uh, I, no, I I feel like I know it, but I I it, so so Burke originally comes from Berkshire Hunt, as in um, Berkshire. Uh, yeah. Ber- oh, Ber- what? Berkshire, Berkshire Hunt. So um, you know, answers on a postcard, <laughs> listeners, as to what we think um, uh, Burke or Berkshire Hunt could possibly be Cockney rhyming slang for. Um, okay, li- listeners, I want you to email. Please address them directly to Jamie. <laughs> please, please message us on Facebook. Or Twitter, or no context. No context is needed. Just your answer. Yeah, just that one word. I want you to message whatever us. word you think it may be. Message us just that word. I want to see if you can guess that right. Perfect. So yeah, Burke these days is used as a very, um, very inoffensive, mild, yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, offensive term. In- inoffensive as far as offensive ter- insults go. Um, and, uh, yeah, originally it was the, the worst one we have. That's amazing. That's kind of blown my mind a little bit. It definitely does go the whole, like, you know, if you say sugar rather than shit, um, it, it you, you, you've laden a, just a new word with the same context. Right? Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think minced oaths are really worth it because you, you wanted to swear mm-hmm. and swearing is all about intent. In the same way as if I said, "Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm feeling kind of fucked tonight," no one's going to take offence here. Whereas if I said, "Fuck you, Ben," uh, then you know you might actually take offence because it's about the intent behind it. So if you're saying, "Oh, sugar," everybody knows what you wanted to say, so you might as well have said it. It hasn't. I mean, unless you know you're worried about Jesus crying. I'm pretty sure Jesus was a swearer. Do you think he blasphemed with I mean, himself? He was, oh, me. Oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dad damn it. <laughs> the thing is, G- Jesus was a carpenter. So you know for a fact he would have smacked his hand with a hammer at least once and gone, for fuck's sake. But I was going to say, I wanted if smacking his hand with a hammer was, was a, was a um, you know, visual swear word in itself because it was... Um, foreshadowing what's going to the, the the crucifixion maybe i'm going too far into this now <laughs> stop banging christianity <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point though about like the the intent behind like anything could be a swear word if you put enough venom behind it yeah and and i yeah i just think one of the things the um the english language is good for is it's is it swearing because we have a lot of hard sounds to our good swear words you either start or finish with something nice and hard so you can either spit a word like piss or you can um really end a word with a hard sound like fuck you got that nice hard so that's why i think a lot of our blasphemy feels softer because it doesn't tend to have those nice hard sounds to it there's a really good series that i think was on netflix um that was hosted by Nicolas Cage, who is my hero, uh, called The History of Swearing. And each, epi- and each episode was a new swear word that Nicolas Cage would, would cover. And it was, it was interesting in itself. But the fact that Nicolas Cage was the person hosting that show, because even, <laughs> like, just to hear Nicolas Cage scream the word dick every 30 seconds was amazing. <laughs> That was a fantastic um, Nicolas Cage intonation of it there as well, I have to say. <laughs> I, can't, I had to prepare for it by like sort of winding my neck and violently shaking for five seconds before I said the word. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a wonderful fact about swearing that I always remember from QI, and I'll share it with you both right now. Uh, you've probably heard of it already. Um, is that if you've got a compound swear, like the word 
shit given. Uh, they work best when the second word is a two-syllable word and the first syllable is stressed and contains the same vowel of the swear. So, for example, cockwomble, great swear. Dickwomble doesn't work. See, I, I don't know if I, if I agree with QI, and I know that obviously they, they deal in nothing but cold, hard facts and, and objective truths, but I think with most of those um, internet-style uh, mixed swear words, uh, I think they always work better reversed. I think calling someone a shit gibbon, people go, ha, 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 ha. If you call someone a gibbon <laughs> It's always going to be worse. Every single one of them. If you uh, dick womble, oh ha 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 ha, you womble dick. It means you get to end on the. Do you know what? That's what people remember, and it, it hits harder. That is that is so true. Yeah, the first one's a descriptor. The second one is an insult. Exactly. <gasps> well, I don't know if it's, don't know if it's descriptor. Well, but <laughs> I've seen a few cock wombles in my time, and let me tell you, I've not seen a womble cock though. That's a different part of the. Uh... They're very small and dry. <laughs> and so oh, the God. wombling free now takes a different kind of tone, doesn't it? <laughs> Great Uncle Bulgaria. Woohoo! He's on. A... I was going to say, do we, do we now have to? So we've, we've, we've just dealt with the cockneys. Do we now have to explain the wombles to uh, people who aren't immersed in? Oh British God, culture? yeah. So people who aren't in Britain, the Wombles. So there's a place called Wimbledon. <laughs> and they're uh, a culture of, what the fuck are they? I want to say moles, but I, I don't know if Albino they are. Albino moles. I mean, they, they're literally Wombles, aren't they? By, by species, they are Wombles, okay. I think. I don't know if... So the, the Wombles are a loosely, a loosely anarchist and anti-capitalist group based in London. <laughs> <laughs> they're very green. So we've got gr- green anarcho-communist rats who... Um, and they're albino as well, don't forget. Yep. Who uh, who try and... Oh, and they're also in a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> they narrowly avoided getting Christmas number one. They have a, such a good Christmas song, though. All of their songs are great. Uh, they were a really good band. Uh, and the other part of this episode, other than, than Cockneys and Cockney Rhymes Lang, was, of course, uh, the summoning... <laughs> Cockneys and cocks. <laughs> hey! Uh, was the summoning of the great Cthulhu, Spawn of the Stars, uh, which is a character, as you probably know, written by the author H.P. Lovecraft. And I want to say this right out of the bat. H.P. Lovecraft was a racist fuck. Terrible man. Yeah, like people often say, oh, you can't judge them by the standards of today. They were of their time. They had certain views, etc., etc. But H.P. Lovecraft was such a racist that even people who were alive at the same time as him called him out for being too racist that's fucked up and yet and yet here we are today naming brown sauce after him (laughs) (laughs) all which he would have hated the fact that it's not white sauce (laughs) listeners if you want a taste of how bad hp lovecraft's views were please google in incognito mode what was the name of hp lovecraft's cat Okay, so it was. I think it was actually his parents' cat. Oh, okay. But he liked. But he liked the name so much that there is, in fact, a a fictional cat in one of his stories, uh, also with the same name. I mean, I think it's the rats in the walls. Yeah, no, he was a terrible person. He was. He was um, terrified by um, anybody who wasn't your 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 good old fashioned white white Anglo-Saxon Protestant um, and women. Um, yeah, he was, he was a, um, a, a, a sad, 
scared, racist man. Yeah. And also uh, very young. He was only like 46 when he died. Got too racist. Couldn't handle it. Yep. He went went mad with the realisation that um, he was a complete nutter prick. <laughs> um, but But I think that really informed his writing. So we're in Margate, which, you know definitively isn't where the where the cockneys are um with so firstly presumably they were cockney purely so you could do the rhyming slang but then in that case why are we in margate well there's a good reason for that dom uh there's two good reasons for that dom the first was that in the previous episode uh john's episode ended in margate in Margate, watching okay. works, which is fine. Margate, by the way, is a wonderful place to go for escape rooms. I've never been there, but they are award-winning and they've had wonderful reviews, uh, particularly the escapement. Go visit it. Number two. It's really nice in general. There's uh, it's also um, some lovely pop-up art places, uh, really nice places to eat, um, some beautiful walks along the cliffside, and you can see the Milky Way. Uh, yeah, Margate in general... Uh, contrary to everyone's opinion, is pretty lovely, although largely thanks oh, wow. to gentrification. So, yeah. uh, but the second reason is that as soon as um, when John told me that the episode ended in Margate, there's uh, I immediately thought of a song that I, I used to listen to quite a lot, and this song is by uh, the Wombles, not by the Wombles. Um, although, <laughs> I, in retrospect, that would have been perfect and terrifying at the same time. Uh, it's a song by a steampunk punk band called the men that will not be blamed for nothing and it's a song called margate fuskin and it's a song about a bunch of cockneys going on holiday to margate and summoning cthulhu and cthulhu murders their grandma and they have a lovely time it's a it's a great song um that's such a specific song it's so good i love it like that that entire album is banging um and dear listeners, if you played the previous episode in reverse and at four times slow speed, that is the song you will hear. And yeah, this song's really great. Uh, so yeah, I immediately thought Margate, Cthulhu, Cockney. Perfect. Uh, which does lead me quite nicely on to um, the, 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 the sneaky bits of trivia that I snuck through uh, the episode, if you'd like to hear them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Jelly Deals, I got that bit. Jelly Deals, obviously Cockney, yeah. Um, so the, as you 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 spotted, Dom, um, the one locker belonged to uh, Howard, which was H.P. Lovecraft's actual like, name. Uh, the other two, uh, Jim and Jackie Piper, uh, they're the henchmen of the character called the Hitcher in the show. The, the Mighty oh, Ghost. he's a Cockney. Yeah, he's a co- he's old Cockney geezer. He's got a small thumb and he fucks you up. Um, hence the uh, hence the polos in the locker because the, the hitch has got a massive uh, fucking polo in his uh, yeah. in his eye, um, and the 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 sigil that you you looked at with the the very well drawn cat locks and sun, the brushwork impeccable, uh, and the, just the skill amazing. Um, the the actual sigil that was around it uh, that is the traditional. Um, I thought I'd stumbled into an art gallery. <laughs> but you just look at it and go, hmm, intriguing. In the sort of passive-aggressive way you look at it blankly and hope that meaning will just sort of come at you. <laughs> the the sigil itself is the, is the summoning circle for Cthulhu. That's traditionally what is used um, according to Google search when I looked for 
Cthulhu summoning sigils. I was I was going to ask, um, and I don't think we ever would have done, but if by some weird coincidence we had requested to um, pen the, uh, the the signs upside down, what would have happened? That's a really good question. Well, I would have panicked, first of all. <laughs> I was going to say, if I'd asked you, is there anything on the other side of the piece of paper? <laughs> Um, I would have, I would have on the fly. I would, I would have honoured that. I would have said that it says this way up. You would have done the ritual upside down, and I would have honoured it. And then on the fly, um, said that you'd, you'd summoned it. Yeah, you, you, wait, you hadn't summoned it. You'd stop the ritual. The sea was calm. And we just would have just wandered out onto the promenade. <laughs> the, dream, the dreamer would would stay would stay dreaming, and. I would probably say that you'd walk onto the beach. You'd you know, you'd leave you'd leave the treatment plant, and you'd walk onto the beach uh, to a lovely sunset. It would be quite a happy ending, and then John would then turn up next week to make it absolutely horrific. Yeah, there's been a drowning or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but it seems that most of my episodes tend to end with people like immersed in bodies of water. It's a weird theme that's happening. I mean, I think that's really a, a job for your therapist rather than us, isn't it, Jamie? <laughs> I mean, I'm two meads deep at this point, Dom. Let's get into it. Why is it that I always uh, fetishize drowning on this <laughs> podcast? Let's go into it. <laughs> uh, but if you want an alternative to H.P. Lovecraft, um, and of course I'm coming at this with a Welsh angle, um, I suggest you look at the works of an author called Arthur Machen, um, who was born in South Wales, and he is said by some to have inspired Lovecraft to some degree. So he wrote a book called The Great God Pan. Not read it. I've, you know, I've looked at snippets of his autobiography. Um, and he also wrote a book called The White... I have read it. It's oh, very good. Cool. Um, he read a book, as um, a story as well, called The White Powder, which is like a mix of H.P. Lovecraft and uh, Junji Ito, the manga horror writer. And it's really mm. fun. Um, if you are like in the UK or you if you're in Wales or if you are one of those jet setting fancy types um the the immersive escape room theater experience uh the locksmith stream have a lovecraft esque experience called the key of dreams um which is an experience in an old manor house in south wales like a 24 hour experience that's based on lovecraft and based on the works of arthur machen so it's sort of a cosmic horror escape room immersive theater kind of vibe which sounds incredible it's it's pricey it's a premium experience um but if you're that way inclined definitely check it out we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well but yeah check out the works of arthur machen if you're looking for cosmic horror but with less racism and more welshness and uh dare i say it if um if english is more to your taste than welsh uh you could also check out uh ramsey campbell who um, is an English writer who's uh, still going, bless him, um, who, again, does does cosmic horror very well, does it with that that beautiful um, British small island bent that um, Lovecraft was always lacking because, you know, he always wanted the things to be set, oh, so long ago, but, you know, it's in America and he hated the idea of Native Americans appearing in his story, so the timeline's never really worked out, whereas... You know, if it's set in um, in good old fashioned blighty, then yeah, there is there is some history there. So yeah, Arthur Macken's great. Sorry, Mach Macken um, and uh, Ramsey Campbell as well. <laughs> I'd very much recommend um, his his contributions to cosmic horror. And 
in a less sort of um, Lovecraftian, because there's something twee about Lovecraftian cosmic horror. For a more contemporary take on cosmic horror, I'd suggest reading There Is No Anti-Mimetic Division by Quantum. Um, that's a very much a contemporary take on it, a very much internet age uh, take on cosmic horror. And I don't think much good cosmic horror is written these days because people always want people to to win or escape or not basically go mad or lose. And the thing is, with cosmic horror, you kind of have to go mad or lose or it turns out it wasn't actually cosmic horror at all. It was just a big monster. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there is no anti-memetic division by Quantum. I highly recommend Nice. <clears throat> have either of you chaps seen any of the recent adaptations of uh, sort of Cthulhu-esque is there's a film with with um Kristen Stewart in like a submarine twilight not twilight she's in like a submarine that's boot <laughs> um oh christ what's the name of it yeah she's in she's underwater and it's in a submarine and there's like cosmic horror elements to it as well uh the film i was talking about was underwater i think she's a really good actress who's just been in terrible films yeah, that's fair. I mean, the same happened with Robert Pattinson. The Twilight film has just destroyed the both of them. He's been in some amazing He's movies. He's a good though. actor. Am, that's the thing. I'm, I am genuinely a big Robert Pattinson fan at this point. Uh, but does he make a good Batman? Oh, I'm not sure. This is going way fucking off track. But like, let's let's talk Batman <laughs> a second. Which which of the actors uh, is your favorite Batman, and which is your favorite Bruce Wayne? Oh, this is fucking outside the podcast. I, I thought wholly know. unqualified in most of this discussion, not being a particular big reader or or, or, or a film watcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, oh, I'm going to say my my favorite Batman is Keaton. Okay, but my favorite Bruce Wayne might be Christian Bale. Ooh, okay, because he played him he played him so well as just a. A, a repugnant socialite who people shouldn't look up to just because he's a rich boy. Whereas all the others, Bruce Wayne was actually, you know, showed as a as a charming, upstanding member of society, which we all know billionaires aren't. Oh, yeah, that's fair. So I think Christian Bale played him as a as a as a terrible person, purposefully to drive people away in plot. But I think that he's probably the best Bruce Wayne in my opinion. As long as he turned into Keaton when he put the suit <laughs> oh, yeah. on, rather than the <laughs> I will go go against that, and I would say that my my top Batman is Christian Bale. Christian, I would say Christian Bale is my my top Batman be, because he deliberately puts on the persona to be somebody different. Everybody else, it's Bruce what Wayne persona? in a mask. What what about a bat? <laughs> is that? I mean, the whole, that, that's, you know, at least he tries to disguise the fact that he's not fucking Bruce Wayne wearing a rubber nipple suit. <laughs> My favourite Bruce Wayne is Ben Affleck. I forgot he was even a Batman. Yeah, I think his Bruce Wayne is actually a really good, like, reflection of, like, an older guy who's just fucking tired of, of life and the way the world is and is just trying to keep it together. I've only watched a couple of the Batman films, but uh, the, the one with Danny DeVito in and another one. And I, so it's a bit long enough ago that I can't really remember who was the Batman and everything. So that was my I would Keaton. say 
that my favourite Batman and Bruce Wayne has uh, mm. surely got to be Adam West. Um, oh, a classic. <laughs> okay, a classic. Going, going back to the original. <laughs> That's a good choice. Yeah. Good choice. I think, was that the first televised Batman? No, so I was just having a quick look at it, and it, I, I don't think it was. Um, but, uh, but, but it was the one I grew up with, so, uh, you know, there's... there's um, it was the one where you got the the bam and the pow and such like on the. Yeah. Uh... It's also fun looking at the old Batman episodes and seeing um, Cesar Romero who played the Joker and watching like looking at his mustache that he just painted over because he couldn't be he couldn't be fucked to shave it. I think this is probably a good time for us to say that the, uh, Cesar Romero, <laughs> that the um, the barman, <laughs> Cesar Romero is is the barman in the cosmic horror. And he's looking at us with his painted face and his mustache glaring at us while he's polishing a, a mug. Uh, telling us to leave. Uh, but before they call time on us, gentlemen, um, something that we've started to do this year is give our listeners uh, a recommendation to check out something that we've been listening to, watching, playing, experiencing, whatever. Um, so do you have something that you want our listeners to check out? And I will put it in the show notes for them to do so. Well, I was going to try and make Ben go first, but then he's admitted that he doesn't read, he doesn't watch films. I'm not <laughs> Ben. <laughs> so I I, 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 I don't have a specific thing. I've got a really nice wall I like to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not, um, it's, it's not sort of specific per se. And it's, uh, it's certainly not sort of um, uh, in, intellectual such as uh, book reading and, and whatnot. But um, I, I, <laughs> Twitter sort of died uh, a year and a bit ago, um, and I was uh, fairly quick to jump over to the uh, to, to, to Mastodon, um, and I just sort of lurked there for kind of a year, not really understanding what I was doing. The, um, the there's no sort of algorithm there for you, um, and um, you kind of really have to like engage to get stuff back. Um, but just recently, I've, I've kind of done just that, engaged and uh, and started to get a little bit more out of it, and it's 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 nice. Um, uh, so I would encourage you to um, run away from space current and um, uh, maybe just explore some some other alternatives. Yeah, I, w- I would second that. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a Mastodon. I'm, I, I went to Blue Sky because someone gave me an invite and it made me feel good. Um, but yeah, di- ditch Twitter, guys. Um, it, it, it's 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 dead and gone. Just uh, move on. Yeah. In fact, as I say this this very second. Uh, the Infinite Escape Room Twitter is being deleted. <laughs> I mean, it's it's up for debate. I'm I'm probably roughly twenty years late to the party, uh, but I recently watched Master and Commander: Far Side of the World, and uh, I can say that that is a that is a good film. Um, it's it's Paul Bettany <laughs> before it. he got involved with Marvel. Um, it it is Russell Crowe, but he is he turns up for every scene. He says his lines. <laughs> he moves to his marks, um, and just all in all, it's it's really good. It's very much like a, it's a it's a man film, I think. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's it's I think it's very good as far as man films go in that it shows like actual. Um, uh, relationships and camaraderie and be just being in a situation together and getting through it. Uh, my recommendation for this week is a podcast called Evil Geniuses. So it's, I've been listening to it on BBC iPlayer or BBC Sounds, uh, but you can probably get it anywhere else. So it's hosted by comedian, British comedian Russell Kane. 
He has a rotating gallery of comedians every week, and each episode they go through one specific historical figure or sometimes fictional figure. And they talk about their life and their actions, and they decide at the end of it whether this person was evil or a genius. It's that kind of polarized. So I've recently listened to the episode on Dracula. I've just listened to the episode on Cleopatra, and I'm halfway through the episode on Mary uh, Whitehouse. And I do believe now that the barman has sprouted several tentacles in his face and is sort of (laughs) waving at us with the tentacles, Davy Jones style. Not to mention that I need a wee-wee. My laptop's out today. Perfect timing. So we'll we'll see you next time as we escape from the gaping maw of Cthulhu as we get into the abyss of the cosmic space beyond the stars. We'll see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.